How often do you guys see movies? Oh, I mean, since like COVID, like none, basically. Post, yeah. I haven't been to a movie theater in a long time, yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I, and it's not even, like, it's not COVID-related. It's just, like, I just haven't, I just haven't been. You're on the outs with the film industry. <laughs> yeah. Sent Warner Brothers a very strongly worded. <laughs> Basically, Cracking once I saw the paramount. once I saw the violence at the Oscars, I just couldn't I couldn't support it anymore. You know? No, yeah, <laughs> the game's gone. Really, game's gone. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Shandong sparkling brew, of course, nice, nice and dry. Here's to Jurg. That's fantastic. I I wish I I wish I was joining you on the uh, on the sparkling train. I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> that was quite the. That's quite the sip to start things off. I was took real a, dry. It took a bite out of you. <laughs> <laughs> took, took a bite out of you. <laughs> You're gonna be good. Is everything okay? I'm I'm gonna struggle through here. The bubbles. I'm gonna start hiccuping twenty minutes into the pod. Yeah. No. The uh, so I was I was thinking of joining you but unfortunately i didn't have a chance to to go and grab uh to go and grab some some bubbly of my own um but instead i did decide to class it up a little bit because oftentimes we are big advocates for you know the craft breweries and the and and the local the local beers um but i uh i tried to to class it up a bit today and i went i went cocktail so i was kind of joining you in this in in this uh you know in terms of it felt it felt like the right amount of, you know, uh, gravitas and class to the occasion. And I made something that I know that you're personally a, a fan of in a Boulevardier. Um, so for those, for those who don't know, it is a, uh, basically a Negroni, but with bourbon instead of gin. Um, and just a nice, nice, smooth sort of, sort of cocktail with, uh, you know, Campari and, and sweet vermouth really really uh nice sipper so cheers uh and cheers to Jurg and Ula who we shouldn't leave uh, out of this equation Ula's ultras now truly well so i mean i guess we may as well get started with the Jurgen news and the we are getting four more years of Jurgen now he's extended his contract uh, that was already in place by two additional years out to 2026. And um, with that being said, we were obviously looking at still two more years of Klopp, but in this season where we're still chasing a bunch of, a bunch of potential honors, a lot still at stake, this sort of news feels like it has a pretty heavy impact in terms of the next few years of recruitment and really getting the plan post Jurgen settled. Yeah. It's I mean it's huge because it felt I think that's why the league the league cup, Carabao Cup, whatever we want to call it these days, was so important is because it felt like it was coming to an end, right? I think that's just the way contracts certainly work for players. And you know, once you're down to two years, one year, basically the world is ending and you know it's crisis mode. So it started feeling that way for Jurgen like so it wasn't just the League Cup, but, you know, staying in all the other competitions and fighting for it was kind of about legacy for him, right? Because we felt it coming to the end. But now, even with just another two years, it feels like the project gets to extend, right? And it, yeah. it, it, it kind of feels like even, you know, if the plan is for Sala and Mane, my assumption is now that that, that, that kind of come next comes next too. But certainly Jurgen's signature and adding a couple more years is definitely kind of the biggest news or the biggest signing or renewal uh, that we could have had. The unexpected protagonist in this, as we mentioned, was Ula, uh, Jürgen's wife, who 
by Jurgen's own words in the interview, basically initiated this conversation by they were sitting around the dinner table and uh, and Ula just says, I don't see us leaving in two years. And so Ula rightfully getting a lot of credit on Liverpool Twitter at the moment for kind of pushing this conversation with Jurgen. But I I think one of the things that this just reminded us of, and I think one of the things that I, I was thinking of is like so often it's hard to connect some of these like larger than life personalities and, and larger than life people back to humanity and reality. And the fact that a conversation with his wife about moving was like what urged a job change or lack thereof, I guess in this case, (laughs) like that is such a real human thing. And I think it kind of hammered home that we have, we have kind of captured lightning in a bottle here with Jurgen because he is, he called himself the normal one when he joined the club, but he really is just a normal dude. Yeah, I think that's a conversation you and I can certainly relate to, you know, sitting down with the wife and saying like, hey, are we really going to leave this place or, you know, what what does the future look like? So yeah. that's just part of it, right? Like Liverpool has, and you're going to talk about it too, I thought, both of the quick little video of him, you know, shooting from the hip and saying I'm staying and then the more marketing-based one that, you know, teared us all up a little bit. Uh, he mentions like, you know, Liverpool has a love affair with, with football and certainly with this football club, but that's what we gravitate to, right? We gravitate towards like, you know, (laughs) Fabinho's wife on Twitter, uh, you know, even John Henry's and uh, all of this. So it's all kind of the perfect mix. It's not some big, like, you know, massive hundred million dollar signing with all the marketing that goes into that. It's just, you know, a, a super authentic and kind of down to earth, you know, way that it all played out. And I think that's yeah. what, I don't know, that, that's Jurgen's style and that matches Liverpool so perfectly. And I think that's why, you know, he's, they don't want to leave. So there were some, some things going around. You mentioned, you, you mentioned, you know, obviously Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, the two highest profile players in terms of, contracts coming to an end and Salah has been talked about obviously quite a bit. Um, what do you think? Do you think that this isn't, that this is a piece of, of their renewals and that, that we see those deals get over the line here soon? I, I think so. Right. I, I, we always think like, you know, maybe the club only has capacity to do this and then they have to move to this and then they have to move this. It's all, happening at the same time right but i do think it points to again if it's the vision right that they'll sit you know maybe this is the thing that triggers now for solomon to sit down and put pen to paper and, and maybe it's perfect timing too right is Salah's form has dipped, right, in terms of not scoring as many goals but he's still creating Mane's, you know just been unbelievable maybe the two of them are kind of seeing now like, okay, maybe Mo kind of comes down in his asking price. Mane might get a little bit more. So maybe it's kind of the perfect timing to kind of create equity between Salah, between Mane. You know, if you're really going to hurt the wage structure, doing it for your two, you know, most attacking minded players and, and best players in that regard, then it kind of makes sense. So I don't know, maybe it's all kind of perfect timing or, 
will usher that that next phase in. But I'm sure, you know, they've been working on it with Mo certainly since who knows, probably the past year or two. I uh I did see something that, you know, not trying to get ahead of myself or get my hopes up, but in terms of the the tweets where they do a like a formal announcement video for Jurgen like signing his contract and he gets done like they show him like signing it and then he gets a tap on the shoulder and it's Mo he's like, Hey, can I borrow that? And he signs his contract. <laughs> Break the internet. It would have been genius. Like, yeah. <laughs> would have been genius. Yeah. Um I guess this got me thinking this move, obviously it pushes the, the decision or any sort of like succession planning out a few more years um, in terms of what, you know, what the club looks like after Jurgen. But the question that I always come to here is like perfect world. There's obviously been a lot of talk in the past about, about Stevie and, you know, he's continuing his management career. It hasn't really gone I would say according to plan necessarily at Villa yet, you know, he hasn't had an off season and all those things, but there's a little bit of an elephant in the room of there's a, a guy who's been Jurgen's like been Jurgen's guy for a long time now in Pep Linders. And it does yeah. seem like he's taken over like the domestic cup, you know, press conferences and, and those sorts of things where he's, he's become a little bit more of a visible figure in, in Klopp's uh, coaching staff. So do you think that the plan is for Klopp to eventually basically like hand the reins off to, to Linders to continue? Mm -hmm. Or do you think that they, that they go on a wider, a wider search for that next? And this is obviously a little ways off now, thanks to the news today. But um, I, I just always think about like, what do we want to see from the club in that regard? I don't think Pep, I don't, let's not say Pep. I don't think Linders needs the cash or he's doing like masterclass or online courses now for coaching. So maybe that's, maybe that's his future. Maybe that's his path. <laughs> uh, but I, I would have said if Klopp leaves in two years, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't see the club kind of doing like, you know, a Chelsea United, let's bring in Gerard immediately, whether like, whether he's ready or not. Right. Yeah. It does, I don't think that fits like FSG and the, the, the leadership within the club. Um, it had been two years. I think Pep's there or Linders is there. He takes it over. Um, and, and then probably it's his to lose four years out. Does that give Gerard more time to solidify himself and make, make a case for it? Maybe, but I think either way right now, all things considered, Linders has got to be thinking like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to inherit, inherit this once Klopp is gone. I, I just love the idea of, and I know, you know, there's obviously levels and I'm not suggesting that Jurgen Klopp is, you know, Bill Shankly or anything like that, but the era of the club where like Liverpool were this successful as they have been like in the past, like this it it was a long serving manager who was extremely successful in in Bill Shankly who passed off the reins to to Paisley and like that was for, you know Paisley and Shankly are talked about like those are the two guys and i just think having someone who's been there for essentially Jurgen's whole tenure is yeah. 
so powerful in terms of like maintaining credibility with the squad that's there and not losing a lot of like the ethos that has like really brought the club because you know all those managerial searches are so difficult to get right and we've seen so many clubs struggle with it no matter the resources they have no matter the you know the personnel they have like it can be really hard to get that right. And I love the idea of not having to go through that after a period mm-hmm. of sustained success, not really having a gap and just having that replacement or that successor like already built in. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just a, it's a great time to be a red right now. <laughs> there's a, there's a romance to that thinking too, right? It's not, I don't think it's absurd to even make the comparison, right? Like certainly it's premature to think, you know, lenders could, could be Paisley and, you know, even Klopp success compared to Shankly. But I think that's kind of like what we're dreaming about, right? Yeah. Like you continue, you continue what was built. And that to me, as much as we love Gerard, but that to me is, you know, the ideal scenario moving forward, then even having, you know, <laughs> the hometown here, like come back, like, one of the greatest players in the club's history lead him. Like I'm sure 10 years, like at some point there's going to be a time for that, right. Where Gerard will have time to come into the role. Like we don't need to rush that. And the more he gets experienced, what we've seen from other, you know, managers coming into their clubs before the more experience he gets, the better. So whether it was two years, four years, 10 years from now, at some point Gerard's going to get a shot, but let's not disrupt from you know, recruitment to the managers and the first team staff, like what we've been able to create. And it, it does make me think that they're, that they would go that way just because of what we've seen with Julian Ward, like stepping into Mikey Edwards shoes in terms of recruitment. It does, it does make me think that they want to have those sorts of things in place and not have to, to blow the system up and, and go on a, a big search or something like that. But, but yeah, exciting times. Jurg is, is around for four more years and what a blessing that is for, for Liverpool fans the world over. Um, as we, as we get into the conversation around these last two, these last two matches, really catching up from starting with the Merseyside Derby. I mean, you called it between the Merseyside Derby and the champions league semifinal. You, you ter- termed it a tale of two buses. As I'm as I'm si- sipping my <laughs> sparkling wine, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I think that sums up the Everton match. Well, it, and I, I I feel like we're we're doing a disservice to Real with that because, like they, yes, they set up defensively. Like that's what they've been doing. Like that's the only way you get to where you are in the champions league. If you're VRL and to knock off what Juve and to knock off Bayern, like that's the only way you do it. Right. They were just outmatched. Um, But Everton, like that is, you know, best of times, worst of times. What I saw in that match was the most anti-football thing I've ever seen. I thought the way you phrased it was absolutely perfect. Right. Everton received all this credit for, the worst half and beyond the football I've ever seen in my life. And meanwhile, we've got folks like, what is it? Jason Cundy, like mocking Villarreal. And it's, 
yeah. who, who actually kind of had a game plan, tried to kind of take it on and be attacking and it ultimately failed. Right. But then again, so did Everton. So sweetly, I may yeah. add, but no, it was, you know, two difficult tasks in front of us with the way they were set up, but ultimately we prevailed. Two nil, too. Like, what? What more can I ask for? <laughs> I was gonna say that is right. That is right in your wheelhouse. And I think, I, yeah, I think exactly as you said. You know, it's it's Everton came out of this match for some reason with a lot of a lot of praise for showing determination and doing what they needed, what, doing what they needed to do and just really buckling down and making it hard for Liverpool and being, you know, clever with like all of this stuff. Meanwhile, Villarreal were extremely, I would say defensive, but they weren't cynical. And that was like the big difference in the approach is it was clear when from kickoff Everton were taking advantage of every opportunity to break up play with a feigned injury with a, a foul, you know, a, a, cynical foul um taking forever you know to restart play all those things via real like didn't really engage in any of that to be quite honest yeah. like there was some mild i i would say extremely mild like you know tactical fouling or something like that but they for the most part like via real had a clear plan to play defensively and then try to break out and it was really just how good Liverpool are that limited the effectiveness of that because this is a game plan that is good on its day and worked against Juve and Bayern um, to to great effect. So the reality is that like for Villarreal, they got a lot of criticism for setting up defensively, but it has worked. And the only reason that it didn't against Liverpool is because this Liverpool team is insane. They're so good. Like, this is not a coincidence that that the Villarreal setup didn't work. The reason that the Everton setup didn't work is because there are at times there are times where there is justice in this world, and they didn't deserve anything, and they didn't get anything, and that was exactly that was exactly how that deserved to play out. Villarreal yeah. were simply just outplayed by one of the best teams on earth. And that's, that's kind of the weird like dichotomy here is Everton. um, Yeah. End up with some credit for that. Meanwhile, Villarreal, I think put in a quite brave performance and, and all they got was shit for it. So. Yeah. And shame (laughs) on Mel Reddy too. Who's all like, honestly, probably the best takes of any major pundit on Twitter. One of the most like, you know, that like painful, like, oh, credit to the, like where you can appear to be biased towards Liverpool. So you go in the other direction, like mm-hmm. Carragher does it so often now too. So hopefully now that, you know, she's the big, you know, sky senior reporter or whatever it is, <laughs> we don't see too much more of that, but no, like ever, like it was, it was insulting, right? It was insulting to the sport, whatever to did, like Pickford smiling and winking as a waste time, like Villarreal, what really, or whatever their, their goalkeeper is definitely was time wasting a little bit sure but if you saw how bad of a goalkeeper he is like i would waste time too i would not because the second you give the ball back you're gonna get that like diaz is gonna you know diaz tiago <laughs> and dyke are gonna ping shots at you from 30 out yeah and you know break your hands but no just the everton it, it was you know 
I, I don't even know how else to describe it, but just it, like some of the worst, not even some, it was the worst football I've ever seen. And even the stats, like, well, I th- I don't know if it was true or not, but they said, you know, Liverpool had the highest possession uh, of a Premier League match. Tiago completed more passes than Everton did as a team. Yeah. So yeah, like, you know, Origi's inevitability came through. Robbo getting a goal is always great. So they, they got what they deserved. You're right. There's justice in the world. At times, at, that day. <laughs> at times, um, in in the derby, I think you know one of the things. It is nice that we can come away with without any major injuries, which is I think at this point most of the concern in the derby is like, are we going to come away from this unscathed? Because a lot of the players in this Everton side, when they become frustrated, get violent, like in a in a non-competitive sort of way. And we even saw it from Richarlison at the end of this game, yeah. how he avoids being sent off. I'll never know. But the, um, which is, yeah, for all the Evertonians complaining that this game was rigged uh, against them, the FA does them a huge favor by not sending off their best goal scorer. Like, yeah. in because if he gets a three-game ban for kicking Jordan Henderson at the end of the game, like, they're re- as good as relegated. Like it's yeah. o- the season's over. Like they've got what Rondon coming, yeah, coming in to replace them, right? Like <laughs> so. It's so with with that being said, I mean the two the two goals. Um, I I do want to give a shout out Andrew Robertson being at the back post, uh, and and Robbo nodding home, and then with a celebration that could only be described as. Uh, <laughs> Like out of practice, maybe shall we say? <laughs> it, it was his first goal in front of the cop, right? Yeah, that that's what I saw, and it just looked like he was trying to celebrate, but he was just like you know jackhammering like down in <laughs> front of the sideline. They're in line. I, I I don't know, right? He doesn't score yeah. that many goals, but still, like you know, knee slide or something. But yeah, I, I think he just had so much energy, he didn't know how to how to get it out. Another that was another most most Salah assist also on that on that um, which is becoming quite a uh, regular occurrence um, and then the man the myth the legend Divock Origi off the bench eighty fifth minute in the derby I mean it was a it was always likely to happen um, because he has six goals against Everton in nine games. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, big div getting involved and, and then got a lot of plaudits after the game, which I really, I think was cool, uh, to see people actually kind of give him his due. Well, because I think he's been one, I, I, I still think like his, his goal ratio to minutes is, is phenomenal, but aside from the big goals, Vivac was typically a liability coming on, right? He was like, he, very few touches what Simon Brennan always called him. No, he called genie ghost. He would just significantly put down Origi. But when Origi comes on now, he's got, uh, he's got like amazing touch control and he looks good, whether he's yeah. like, you know, a more aerial threat or even if he's on the wing. So Origi now is whether or not, like, I don't know about that's another contract situation, 
that that could play out. But he, yeah. he's a phenomenal option to bring in to, you know, offer a bit of height. But he, he's looked good too. So I think that's that's been the biggest like kind of benefit. But you know, everybody everybody looks good. And that, same for Villarreal. I went back and watched it because I couldn't watch it in real time, and it's just like everybody looks world-class out there. Yeah. Like it's just, it, it was a phenomenal performance in that one too. But no, like for Rigi, he can't have a statue, right? He just can't have a statue, but maybe like, you know, a mural in a plaque or something that's like sealed off for eternity yeah. to acknowledge his contribution. I think that might be fitting. There's just so many iconic moments that it feels like a mural is like the least we could do because I mean, the the Derby winner off the crossbar, the the corner taken quickly, the uh, I mean, even moments like the the last minute, you know, uh, like glancing header at St James Park to beat Newcastle, um, the uh, the winner at Wolves this season, like there, you know, he's had so many like so many of these moments where he's changed the game and, and yeah. um, a, you know, a couple of them truly like legendary in terms of that Derby winner and the, and, and the, uh, the corner against Barca. So, um, so yeah, the mural feels like, appropriate. Like a Diego Rivera style, like chronological history of, <laughs> you know, indigenous peoples to the modern day industrial right revolution to communism. Like he needs, some sort of, uh, I don't know, Diego Rivera-esque mural. So whoever's, whoever's the current artist there <laughs> or now could on the, uh, in the, in the Villarreal match, obviously we talked about the fact that I think Villarreal, like they came with a plan. It didn't exactly work out. And part of the reason it didn't work out, um, well, was because Liverpool really asserted themselves in this game. And as you said, watching it back, everybody was super sharp um and this this game before we get on to the goals that were actually scored there were a couple of goals <laughs> that almost fit into that same category as and and many will remember if you've listened to the show uh over the years but many will remember us talking about like the goals that should have gone in like if there were justice in the world as we said uh, with with Everton <laughs> if there were justice the um the Kara last last game of his career pings one off the off the crossbar against QPR. Um, Suarez on the volley, Suarez. like on the turn and volley off of the post against Arsenal in the five one. Um, those sorts of goals where if there were just if there was justice, then then they would have been scored. And this game had actually a couple. Maybe the most prominent, though, was Tiago pulling up from about 35 and pinging one off the outside of the post. Just crushing, crushing the post. Thank God it didn't in his hands, right? Because he, he couldn't catch anything <laughs> all day. Even, I think, what, Hendo's cross to own goal, like, he kind of, like, knocked it in. But, yeah. no, the the Tiago one, certainly. I mentioned... Van Dyke, just because I feel like I had seen it pop up on Twitter a couple times recently. Like, you know, Van Dyke scores goals, but we need like, you know, an Agar esque like 25, 30 yard bang yeah, yeah. from Van Dyke. So, but no, Tiago's was like, because Tiago is in another world, 
on the pitch, right? Like he'll probably never win Ballon d'Or, even though people like Modric did, even though Jorginho doesn't even get me started. But (laughs) he, it's so absurd what he's able to do. I think he was like nine for nine and long, like long passes this match too. But it's not just, you know, possession, control, work rate, tackling, all of that. He just looks like, and any time that, you know, if, if you're an amateur, if you play for fun in a rec league or anything like that, when there's somebody on the pitch that's just levels above and looks like they could just score easily and so they have to play differently because they don't want to embarrass everybody, that's the way Tiago plays out there. But he's playing against the best. Yeah. The best players, and he's on like in a Champions League semifinal, and he's light years uh, ahead of anybody else, right? And it's just uh, it's unbelievable to think about having that a Liverpool team. He completes ninety nine out of one hundred and three passes uh, in this one, uh, nine out of nine on long passes, and uh, he recovers possession for Le- for Liverpool eleven times. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's just he was actually according to FotMob the the like scores app. Their algorithm actually had him as player of the match at eight point three, which above players who scored goals, which typically it very heavily yeah. weights you know goals being scored. So. Um, and, and goal involvements more broadly. So yeah, he's been, he's been absolutely unreal. And I mean, it's, I think most of what we've talked about with Tiago and, and Klopp has mentioned it with, with Nabi Nabi as well. is just like the availability. That was all that was really lacking. And people would, people would draw a lot of conclusions and say, Oh, like Tiago's slowing things down. And he's like, he, complete I went back to his stats in the derby because if I remembered correctly I was like this might be one of the best midfield performances like any of us have ever seen but he's turning that in every single game right now like that's the yeah. level of Tiago um he could in the derby he completed 119 out of 121 passes <laughs> seven out of eight long passes um wins both the tackles he attempts wins better than half of the duels um, was dispossessed once and um, yeah I mean he's just he's just unbelievable like you can't get the ball off him you can't really get past him that well like he does a good job of recovering the ball um, and he this the passes that he spots and what he's able to do when he sees that pass is I mean, there yeah. is no one like him. I don't, I genuinely don't think. Even because it's in the last against Everton and Villarreal too, like two very defensive sides. It's a completely different tale. Like I think of, you know, De Bruyne to his range. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe is the only thing comparable. Like Modric, Modric in a sense, for sure. But w- the, the way in which he does it feels unlike any other player that we're watching in the game right now. Like, especially against Villarreal, like his, his precision and length of passing was just unbelievable, right? Like not even, you know, a 30 yard 
ball kind of over the top, but like a 50, 60 yard ball out to Salah. Like, so we see it from time to time, like Fabinho's got it. I, I mean, you know, Trent, Trent certainly too, but that's more in, you know, switching play. Yeah. Tiago's is just, you know, getting into a position and a player to then create too, which, you know, all credit to Trent. He's, you know, he's probably right up there as one of the best in the world too, but just seeing his vision and level of passing, it, again, it, it, it feels, it feels like you're watching a player who is, you know, on, on a completely different playing field than everybody else on the pitch. And again, these are the best players in the world. And seeing, seeing the way that our midfield has played now that he's consistently been in the side this season and, and that he's been more available. I think you, I think we've started to see his influence like on other players in terms of what they are willing to, to do, willing to try like what they, what they're seeing. So I think he's almost acted too as like, he's helping bring along some of the players in, in this because he's just that good. Like his influence extends beyond and, and when you you mentioned talking about just like passing and and his skill in passing almost extends beyond like the ability to complete the pass because I've heard it said and like I don't you know I I couldn't attribute this to who actually said it or whatever I'm sure it was someone a long time ago who is you know far smarter than me but passes innately like come with information on them like when when you receive a pass, the passer is telling you what to do with it also. And sometimes like when passing looks disjointed or, Oh, it looks like it's slowing things down or whatever. It can, it's almost indicative more so of like the passer isn't, isn't giving the right information in the past where if I'm telling you to make a run down the outside, but in actuality, I should have played a ball that allowed you to run onto it and come short and receive and cut inside or something. Every single pass that Tiago plays, he's playing it with exactly what he wants the the player receiving the pass to do. And yeah. so many, so many times now watching this team, there are those moments where you're like, not only is Tiago thinking of that next thing, but the player receiving the pass is thinking the exact same thing. And that's where this level of fluency, I think, like Liverpool have hit now that next level of that understanding between everybody is just operating at an extremely high level right now. Um, and everything they're doing is just seem seeming to work in such in such like nice concert, you know, like that, like they're composing fine music. Uh, but it's 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 just all coming together. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been an extremely, um, an unbelievable run from this team, but it comes from kind of those basic building blocks, I think. And, and just like, they're executing a lot of maybe quote unquote, simple things at just an extremely high level. Yeah. And again, it, 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 watching the VRL match back was one of the best, best matches I've watched like after it had concluded, right? So you, you know, you've probably seen the highlights already. You follow it on Twitter, you know what happens. So you go into it with a certain mindset and it was, it, it was pretty exhilarating to watch even as a replay, just because, you know, Villarreal defended well, 
I, we didn't create that many clear cut chances, but I, I think like positionally wise, you know, the buildup, uh, final third level of play, maybe not that many clear cut chances we created, but it was just constant, like constant, constant pressure. So I don't know how <laughs> it, it reminded me almost too of, you know, when city are on their game, like, and, and we don't get, like, we usually, we, we break on the counter with speed. We're pretty direct. Uh, we have a ton of attacking moments because that was our style. This felt almost like Manchester city in that it was just a constant, just barrage and like control of possession, winning back, working within their final third yeah. and, and just creating chances the entire match. So I don't know. I mean, credit, credit to them for their style and for making it this far, but no, I mean, like the way they play that match, like there's, there's not a team in the world that can compete with that. They do Villarreal do hold it to two nil, but the two come from an extremely quick, uh, couple of minutes and the nature of the Jordan Henderson goal is one thing, obviously bit of luck with a deflection keeper kind of cheats towards going to claim the cross has to, has to check back and, and gets caught kind of flailing um, at, at the cross. It goes in, goes down as an own goal, but it was almost what happened after that in that this Liverpool team smells blood when like they got that wound in terms of that first goal, knowing that, Hey, this isn't going to change much for Villarreal. One, one nil is still totally fine at Anfield. Like that doesn't really change anything. And it's really that ability to press the advantage and really like make it count that, that led to this not being, you know, I mean, cause it could have easily ended one nil, I guess if you take your foot off the gas, but some this Liverpool team and and the atmosphere in particular was just that second goal was always likely to happen. Yeah, I, I thought I, I I saw something about the atmosphere from a few people on Twitter, and then you know not watching the game in real time, I was like, oh okay, you know maybe it's V around. It's not as you know maybe it's a little bit lighter than what it usually is. But watching it again, like Anfield was just intense from like start to finish that match. So yeah, the. And that's the way it happens too. I think and to credit Mosala, the even if he's not scoring goals, his ability, his assists now too are almost like the goals that he scores. Yeah. Right. It's not just the fact that he's scoring or assisting so many, also the manner in which he's doing. It, right. So you know he's in any. I think Thierry Henry loves his team. Uh, certainly Wrighty does too from his little Anfield <laughs> visit. Got a lot of Arsenal fans uh, coming over, but yeah. Arsenal, pl- Arsenal player, players, Arsenal players are all closet reds. So that's uh, <laughs> it's almost, you know, like analyzing uh, Firmino before and talking mm-hmm. about like how he picks out, like, you know, how we can, you know, make this player. It, it, it's, it, it, it's another world Somebody's screaming. I don't know about what. I don't know if they're selling tamales, elote, or whatever it is. Usually, that's the case, or they're they're yelling at a child. Kind of sounds like the latter, but <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean that's a video. Like, there's so many different. Like, I, as I was watching the match, like even between the two center backs, like 
Van Dyke's positioning, especially as like, you know, Villarreal might put in a, a dangerous cross, like there's no chances created because Van Dyke's positioning defensively is unlike anything we've ever seen, right? He looks like a Rolls Royce out on the pitch, but it's also like where he is, what he's able to do yeah. because he reads the game so well. And then you've got Kanate, who was unbelievable because he's everywhere on the pitch, right? He's winning aerial duels. You know, he's kind of pushing up. He's playing kind of the more Matip role in there. And I thought Trent quietly, you know, Tiago was a superstar in the match, but Trent defensively was was unbelievable. Even, I think he connected with Robert was flagged offside. A fullback to fullback assistant goal is like the dream. Oh, but, yeah. You know? But everybody, it's like, it's so unique in like what Diaz is doing on the wing, what Salah is doing, what Mane is being able to do now uh, as more of a center forward. And Mo, you know, in his ability to create, even if he's not scoring, it, it, it's still a ridiculous level of attacking contribution that he's putting forward. Yeah, Trent finishes the match uh, having won all of his ground duels. Um, so, yeah, I mean exactly what he gets criticized for i guess um he he was absolutely locked down and he also has four key passes to which was the most of any player on the pitch so yeah still only four still contributing um and that was in just the you know the 81 minutes because he does he does come (laughs) off um and and gomez gets a run out um but yeah, this was this was a I think you you captured it well where it, it felt like some of those city games where it's like it's it was suffocating in in many ways and and Villarreal you know while they had a couple of moments of of trying to break out and and they you know tried to play through the press and and a couple of times like to their credit they were able to break the press but that's where the brilliance mm-hmm. of Van Dyke and and Kanate and, and Trent really like shines through because that recovery is just always there. Like there is no there is nowhere to go. Even when you break the press and you think I've got room to breathe in midfield, and you run into <laughs> you try to play a ball over the top and Van Dyke jogs casually over to cut it out and play it back up field and it's. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be absolutely infuriating to play this Liverpool team. <laughs> like, as maddening as it can be for us to face a really defensive team, I can't imagine what it's like trying to play 90 minutes of just chasing chasing shadows. No, oh, it's awful as a player, like because you can't play, right? Like, even it's frustrating. I'm, I'm certain at the highest level it's frustrating to kind of go up against whatever team we're putting out there, even with Villarreal, like a defensive team, you get frustrated, but and it's tough to watch it as well, but at least you have control of the ball, right? right. You're, you're attacking, you're trying to create, you know, you're hitting a wall, you're not getting forward. On the other end of things, you, you can't play, right? Like you have uh, not just superior players, but this superior unit that is just... <laughs> dominating and suffocating at, at, at every turn. Like you can't keep the ball. You can't really make a pass. So it's, it's awful. I know the feeling, you know, I play every Wednesday with people that are far better than me. I'm terrible <laughs> out there, you know? So I'm, I'm the Everton, I'm the Villarreal uh, Wednesday week. <laughs> um, well, so where, where does that leave, 
Liverpool, I guess. Well, they've they've got their boss uh, signed up for an additional two years at the end of this deal. So so four more years of Jurg. We've also got uh, a Champions League semifinal second leg uh, to look forward to with it taking in a two nil advantage. And obviously, I think a lot of the the word from Liverpool's camp and rightfully so is that basically this doesn't they have to treat it like it's nil nil you know there is no there's really no huge advantage to taking a two goal lead in a Champions League you know it's halftime um so still still plenty to play for there but but advantage Liverpool and then um by virtue of the win against Everton Liverpool maintained pace with Man City in the league. So still the one point gap at the top um, with just five games left to play. Liverpool have Newcastle this weekend in the early kickoff, which does feel like an unnecessarily brutal uh, turnaround. And I always find it funny. There was some talk on in the champions league coverage of Kara saying like, well, it doesn't really make sense that Liverpool are playing Wednesday early match on Saturday and then they have to play on Tuesday. Yeah. When City are playing Tuesday, playing a later kickoff on Saturday and then playing Wednesday. Like they get yeah. a longer break in every at every turn, they get an additional day. Um and it just yeah, the whole thing is uh, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think I I think Klopp complained about it too. I don't know if they did. Maybe it was this or maybe it was something else. You know, he complains all the time, the wind, the weather, the rain. (laughs) Um, But I mean, it's a huge impact. One, you see the early games can be tough, right? But also the, the form that Newcastle have been in, I think especially at home has been pretty remarkable, right? So it's, it's a tough game. It's not an easy schedule to go into, right? Gerard's villas are, 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 can play a certain way. Um, hopefully, you know, he, he, you know, throws us a wink and lets us <laughs> run by him that day. Saves <laughs> the energy for city, but it's a tough schedule coming up this match. You know, Tottenham, I don't know. We could beat them six, nothing. They could shit house their way to a two, one, who knows what's going to, this one I'm pretty nervous about given the fact that it's an early game. It's a quick turnaround in between both legs. Um, so it's definitely a disadvantage to us. But, you know, Newcastle have been good too. So I don't know. I don't, it's, good, it's good to be nervous, though. I hope the yeah. players, one, you know, they actually have to rest. But I, I hope they feel that too, right? So there's at least, you know, it's not like a Burnley where you're like, shit, you know, how are we going <laughs> to like beat them down and get by it? But you know, hopefully they're up for it. Not hopefully they will be, but you know, at least there's that edge to it. I think. Yeah. Newcastle have won four in a row, um, at the moment. And if I'm reading this correctly, which I could be missing something, but if I'm reading this correctly, their last home loss was to Cambridge in the FA cup Mm. on January 8th. I think so. I think it's I th- like think they haven't six lost. home wins in a row or something. I they haven't lost at home any time recently, basically. Um, so now, 
it's it has to be said that their home matches recently have been against what I would consider. Well, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of teams I would consider weaker than Liverpool in <laughs> in the league. Um, almost all of them. Um, but with that being said, that is still a really good record to maintain. Um, and they're since they got the shit kicked out of them by Tottenham, they've won four straight. So they beat Wolves, they beat Leicester, they beat Palace, and they beat Norwich. Now, each of those you could, you know, talk into like why those happen, but the reality is that with an early kickoff at St. James Park, that is not going to be something that like anyone is, you know, beating down whatever BBC or Sky Sports door for. Um, So, yeah, Liverpool have kind of gotten the shit end of the stick on this one, I think. And um, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the players respond. It'll also be interesting to see how Liverpool rotate. And I think. I think with Jota recently has been coming off of the bench. I'd say he's probably like primed and and ready to make a start at Newcastle. Um, yeah, I think we see Mane and Salah in there because they're always in there. <laughs> and uh, I mean, depending on the fitness of of Tiago, I really think the only midfield position that we've recently seen rotated is whether it's Henderson or Nabi in that like third mid. It's basically been Fabinho and Tiago, like every game for a while so i don't yeah. know if we i don't know if we mix that up but it'll be really interesting to see what what approach Klopp takes cuz it is a must win obviously i it, exactly so maybe i think given the fact that we're up 2 on Villarreal, even if it's a quick turnaround like Klopp won't take it for granted but i don't know otherwise i thought for sure we'd see a lot of midfield changes i think you're right jota probably get the start Salah's always a lock for like, you know, 90 minutes. I think Mane, he took Mane off a little bit early, so we get some rest. Same for Trent. Um, Matip will come back in. Uh, probably Robertson too. But no, I think in terms of the front three, we'll see, you know, Salah and Mane in their usual positions and then Jota kind of up top. Although it was, was it, it was Everton, right? Where Jota kind of started out wide. Yeah, Mane was kind of it was weird to see and I don't know if it necessarily works so I think we'll see that I just have no clue about the midfield I think we'll see Navi in the starting lineup probably Fabinho as well Um, I don't know I wouldn't be surprised if Milner's in there right assuming he's healthy the only question where I didn't know what was going on with Firmino Yeah, I didn't know what injury level he had yeah, it looks like it looks like Bobby is I know he was he had suffered a knock right towards the end of that game against uh against City uh in the semi the semifinal of the FA Cup. So, um trying to see what the latest was um yeah, Firmino wasn't involved in training in the build-up to Villarreal. He's running, according to Klopp, um, and he didn't think he was gonna 
he was going to be involved in that game, but it does seem like he was close. Like he was okay. missing via Real. So yeah, I, I'd say Firmino may be in contention based on the comments. Um, yeah. Or at least to get ahead of ourselves a little bit and think about, you know, workload managing minutes. If he's available to kind of come off the bench or maybe even a too. Right. But you know, if it's, if it's a close match, if Jota maybe up top isn't working as well, you know, then you want somebody like Firmino to be able to come in and create and help control it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, it's an interesting dynamic. And it's one of those things that now that we are in this like home stretch where you think it's really like, how I mean the FA Cup final, a, a semifinal, second leg, Champions League final, and then five Premier League games, so eight matches. Like when you boil it down to that, and it, which I'm sure the staff is kind of looking at it in a like, hey, these are the eight games like that we gotta play. <laughs> um, it it really becomes like a lot. We're and every single player in there because of the intensity and because of their professionalism and their level of competition and, and everything like every single player in that squad is going to be knocking down Klopp's door to be in the team every single week. So it's just, yeah. and every single game. And, and so I'm, I'm sure like there's a lot of management going on there in terms of like convincing a player that, Hey, I need you for this game. So I can't, I can't use you in the semifinal or I can't use you, you know, like, and that, uh, yeah, that dynamic I'm sure is in full swing because every single player in there would be desperate to be involved. Yeah. Well, and the, ins the insanity of it all is like, you can look at this Liverpool squad and see eight games and say, we could win every single one in <laughs> on the other end is city who is fully capable of doing the exact same thing, mm -hmm. right? So I, I mean, I don't even know, even in recent years with Real Madrid and Barcelona, like their rivalry, if we ever saw something like, and somebody else said, I don't know if it was Bobby or somebody else, it was just looking at, like, it's not even the occasional loss. It, like, it's the occasional draw yeah. that, that's crippling teams. And it's just two teams that are capable of going on, and, and they're both, less city, more Liverpool. Liverpool had their kind of struggles earlier in the season, but that that are just capable of running off 10, 12, 13, 14 game win streaks. It's just yeah. an absurd level of competition of two teams that who knows, right? Maybe Real Madrid or this insane team that look absolutely terrible that could still score three or four goals. Maybe the Real turn it around or, you know, somebody like Aston Villa you know, determines the fate of both teams this season. We don't know, right? But both teams could, well, it's not, it's not theoretically possible for both teams to win out, but yeah. both teams in a different universe could win all of these remaining games had they be, you know, against different levels of competition. So it's just, I don't know, it, it's great, but that's also maybe the, the joy of seeing Klopp for four years is the reality of thinking like, you know, God, I hope Guardiola leaves 
and like just give us a reign, just give us a reign of terror for, for three years so that, you know, we could create this trophy hall. But yeah. I, I don't know, like it's, it, 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 it's an awesome time to see like, I don't know, two, two clubs. And we talked about style, all of that before, but just seeing this level of play from two clubs and I don't know, both clinging to three competitions left is, is surreal. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And the fact that the fact that the league is, you know, back to being a contest and, and all of those things, I think, um, I, I briefly out of curiosity, I was looking back through some La Liga season tables. Um, and I will say that late, basically late 2000s to mid 2010s those were some extremely intense title races between (laughs) Barca and and Madrid and and I mean looking at like 14-15 they were they ended the season separated by two points they both had 30 wins Mm -hmm. separated by one point in in 15-16 and uh Although Atleti was kind of close on that. That was only 90 points, so. Oh, but then. Like 90, the 90 <laughs> points lost the title. 91 won the title. So, yeah, interesting. Like an interesting exercise. But it is reminiscent of that in terms of like the level of intensity and the 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 fact that you have to basically go through a season being about as close to perfect like as you could feasibly expect a team to be. Um, yeah. And that has extrapolated. I mean, I've I've since lost the figure, but I mean, there were those figures going around where basically, like, over the you know since like 2018, they're separate. Like City and Liverpool are separated by one point essentially in the overall Premier League points, like points collected over the last like four seasons. Um, which is just insane and shows like how tight this has been. Um, and the fact that Liverpool only getting one of those titles is like just horrible luck, but (laughs) well, and that, I mean, that's again, going back to like, you know, Klopp adding time, taking the league or the champion or anything else from city. I think it changes the narrative of, the battle between these two teams right over the past four seasons of one that's a little bit more equal and not, you know, Klopp and Liverpool are up against this state run juggernaut <laughs> of like, you know, hundred, hundred million, 50 million players at every position um, with, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time leading it. So either way, it's like a fantastic rivalry, but this season, it seems like it could really kind of, you know, dictate the narrative of how how we kind of look back at this time yeah well we always like to we always like to comb twitter for our our heroes and villains like those folks that are out there doing the lord's work (laughs) as you said before i think we have a very different definition of (laughs) at the start of the podcast (laughs) and the end of what doing the lord's work means but (laughs) And those who are, who are, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, doing the devil's bidding, (laughs) the bidding. Yeah. That's what I was, (laughs) 
So, I mean, I guess, do we want to start? Maybe we'll end with with some some positive. Do you want to do you want to start with the with the villains and and end on a, a high note? I think so. Well, one right off the bat, we can get Talk Sport and Jason Cundy out of the way for yeah. the the bizarre anti Villarreal rant. Where I, who maybe maybe is the underdog an American thing? Like, th- there's the magic of the FA Cup. Is there not like this? I know there's the the huge like English bias that most of the country and punditry has, but it, that was just bizarre. So yeah. you know, shame on Talk Sport for giving him the microphone. Um, but I I came across what I felt was the worst tweet of all time. <laughs> it it offended me to my core. First and foremost, um, we'll, we'll we'll give a little bit of context, right? So it was a footy scram. Great account, great account. I get upset about, you know, you see all of these like, oh, curry verse for three pounds and fries for three pounds. And then you've got this disgusting looking hot dog thing for like $20 in the US, right? So I get upset about that. <laughs> but great account, it's not on them. I, uh, I have I have slight beef with them because my, uh, my recent scran has not been included on the feed. So Ooh. yeah, I'm feeling a little a little jaded. There's a lot of spurs on that account for my liking, to be honest. There's a lot of a lot of spurs food. Haven't seen as much, you know, Liverpool. Anyways, I don't know. I'm not saying maybe it's maybe with a the new stadium. I, I I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Shame on me for not seeing it seeing it on the timeline. What was your I had what was a your uh, food of choice. So I, I was up at a Detroit City FC game um, in the USL. So locomotives level two for those who know El Paso. But um, yeah, so I was up at their game. They have a bunch of, of food trucks kind of like at their stadium. Um, they have concessions, too, but they but they they have a bunch of local food trucks. And so I uh, went to a, a Polish food truck that was doing kielbasa. Um, topped with sauerkraut. It was absolutely amazing. And for American sporting event prices, as you said, like value for money through the roof. Cause it was like, there you go. it was like eight bucks for the kielbasa. And then, you know, the beer was like, it was like a, a full pint can was like eight was like another eight. So it was like 16 bucks, whatever. Not too bad, not too shabby, but the bottom line is that it it was is great. I was braving the conditions. It was rainy, whatever. I was like, this is this fits grand because I mean, this is this is decidedly English. Like I'm in out in the rain trying to yeah. enjoy a nice you know a nice sausage and a and a pint. Like this is what <laughs> footy scran is all about. And uh, yeah, that they, they they sent me back a DM that was like, thanks for this. So they took the time, <laughs> but they didn't post it. <laughs> okay, you know what? We change of plans. Footy <laughs> screen the- is now the villain. <laughs> they are they are the true villains. I didn't mean to um, turn anybody on Footy Scran, but no, that's how it goes. You get a good quality sausage like that, and then pint. Although I'm, you said it was a full pint can. Have you ever ordered a, a pint that wasn't full <laughs> in can format? I meant to say that it was like a you know it wasn't a wasn't just like a it was can. larger it wasn't a 12 than your, ounce can like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A, yeah that's what i meant to say yeah 
Yeah. You, it was you, a big boy. The people get what I'm getting at. It's a big boy. It wasn't a Kawama, <laughs> but it was, you know. I don't know what that is. The <laughs> Yes, you do. When we had that Do I? When we had that whole episode with and Alan uh about Mexican beer and Alan explained to us what a Kawama oh. is. Is that like the Costa Rican beer or whatever it is? No, it's like the big, like, big-ass beers at, like, Mexican soccer games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I've got to hit a Monterey game. But anyway, we're getting off track. Also, <laughs> there's, like, the tri... There's some weird, like, three... I don't know. It looks like Trident, but in Spanish. But it's, like, three legs and a big beer tower that you've got the taps from. Um, but I'm always too scared to go to those places. Anyway... Worst tweet I think I've ever read. So we've got a new villain in Footy Screen. One of the replies, I don't even, oh, it was just like, who's got the best, right? Yeah. Obviously not Detroit, but at Grabber Goer, Gower, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not even going to read it, but <laughs> apparently a, plo, a pro Plymouth Argyle tweet forgets the why. Um, as he's like, give me a PL, you know, goes through the whole thing. Um, so that was strike one, but it's almost like, oh, that's kind of funny, right? You know, he he's being very cheerleader-esque and, you know, he messes it up. Haha. Um, but then he hits him with like the YouTube, like, hey, smash the like button or smash the follow button if you want to see more of this content, like <laughs> mid-tweet, like mid-tweet, mid-tweet, not even like at the end. Mid tweet, he says, and this is the the really offensive part. You know, I, I my my blood was boiling more and more as I continued to read. Hit the like button, like button to vote for my local team, guys. And then parentheses, I support Manchester United. <laughs> so I don't. Obviously, I'm offended by that piece, but just the whole progression of the missing why, the smash the like button. Then the United thing that's like, oh, I got my local team, but no, I also like United. Or maybe his local team is United and he likes Plymouth. Or I don't know because he said Plymouth. There's no why. Nobody Plymouth. Right, so Roy, Roy Gower, worst tweet I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, it's terrible. And just like you go through this whole thing to spell Plymouth – it takes up half of your characters for your tweet. Like, takes up half your half your capacity, and then, <laughs> then hit the like button to vote for my local team, guys. Tweet over. Like, the tweet is over. There's nothing left right. to say. Should be done. Should be done. Should be done. Decides I support Manchester United. Why? <laughs> it's not necessary. It should have been don't, like an asterisk. Like, don't say that. You've just spent all this time establishing your fandom of Plymouth Argyle. Just just let us believe that. It's fine. Like nobody cares that you're not a, like I I mean Twitter can be brutal and I'm sure someone would have been like I just went into the database and you don't have a season ticket card with Plymouth. So you're a fucking fraud and so he was trying to like get ahead of the cancel the cancel yeah. Roy Gower party. And, uh, you know, I support Manchester United for the record, guys. I'm not crazy. <laughs> so anyways. you are right about Twitter, though. I saw some other like, you know, one of the hot takes like, oh, I just paid off my student loans. 
I'd be so upset if, you know, Biden canceled student loans. And in the replies, I don't know if they went and added this woman on LinkedIn or something to see her like educational background. It's like, oh, you went to this Ivy school and then you went to Pepperdine. Here's the tuition costs over this like six year period of time where you went to school. You're telling me you paid this all off in a year. Resonated with me having spent, you know, done my master's program at Pepperdine, still paying it off. Yeah. But Twitter, Twitter knows. Twitter knows. Twitter's going to find, they're going to find the truth. You, You can only... You can be a fraud only for so long in these streets, so. <laughs> streets won't forget. Streets won't forget. Well, let me, let me, let me do the, what I, the tweet I really enjoyed for as sure. a hero, just because I am very anti kids running onto the pitch or really kids with signs. <laughs> you know, no offense to you, America, but really just anti-kids in general. Yeah, right now. no, and that's, um, that's a fine, it's <laughs> a fine position. So I think it's I am one one nine four one. I am ran. Uh, <laughs> apparently in the city in the city Madrid match, a kid ran onto the pitch mid game or towards the end of the game and asked asked for De Bruyne's jersey. Like I mean, that's a yellow card, right? You know, he pops that shirt off. It's a yellow card, let alone offensive. But anyway, he frames it like. Hey, this kid ran onto the pitch to ask for De Bruyne's shirt and didn't get it. With the magic of Twitter, can we all come together to find out who this kid is so we can report him to the relevant authorities for illegally invading the pitch and getting a 10-year ban, (laughs) which I'm all in favor of. Because these kids, you know, they're they're getting everything these days, you know? So one, Imran, IM11941, hats off to you. But... A champion in Twitter, but not the real champion for this episode. Yeah, the well, I will say credit to him for the framing of that tweet because it was it, it was one of the like you had me in the first half, not gonna lie. <laughs> um, and uh, he pulls it back with the so we can identify, we can notify the relevant authorities. It's just so good. Um, yeah, the true the true champion for this one. I don't think this will be shocking to anyone who's like well versed in Liverpool Twitter that this person has found their way into the 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 heroes section of the two red gringos. But Mari Lewis uh, at Mari C Lewis on on Twitter, she is very pro- prolific. I would say she's known for her like match day her match day uh, like lineup cards that she hand draws which are really cool um but she's also a massive liverpool fan and and a a a top 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 red um top 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 top. no club no club yeah no for sure uh um but no mari's mari's absolutely like awesome on twitter and she really has been bringing just a an energy that i really appreciate um in that so often basically her her enemy this week and and for the last little bit has been var offside decisions and not in the sense of criticizing the decision but taking on those people who when they see a close offside or onside decision they will reply to that tweet about that decision with 
a picture of a different offside decision that took place in a different game and a different area of the pitch with different circumstances and all those things and say, well, what about this then? What about this then? Which is just an insane thing to do. And more often than not, most of us just, you know, we take the, what we usually do, which is we turn our, (laughs) we turn a blind eye and just say, yep, you're an idiot. And like, we're just going to move on with our lives. Cause engaging with this seems insane. Like, yeah. Engaging with this is just not worth it. Mari has decided to wade out into the fray and, and, (laughs) and deal with these people who are clearly nuts. Because if you think that looking at an offside decision, that sending another offside decision, a picture of, as I said, a different circumstance, different teams involved, different players, different area of the pitch, all sorts of different things. There's so many variables in an offside decision and sending that thinking that you've done something like sending that and thinking (laughs) that you've made a relevant or salient point of some kind is, is nuts. Got him. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) That'll show him. So anyways, Mari is extremely brave for this, but the, the approach she's taken is so perfect because it undercuts the whole thing by approaching this argument from a place of total, I guess, like, well, it's just sarcasm. Like, it's really just sarcasm communicated as clearly as it can be via text. Um, And in this genre of tweet, Mari is most often like, well, you see, the reason that this is uh, that this was offside and the other wasn't is that in this decision, someone was found to be goal side of the last the last defender, and therefore there was only one person between them and the goal, which did make them by the laws offside. Hope this helps. Like that <laughs> that genre of tweet, by the books by the books <laughs> that genre of tweet has been extremely good because it just puts everybody back in their place in terms of like. Do you understand the rules? Do you understand the guidelines that the Premier League or the Champions League are operating on? And like, if not, then just shut up. Like, just don't speak then. Like, don't tweet. Don't send your pictures, whatever. Well, we had one who persisted and at CFC Zaid um, replied to Mari, who had been having this conversation back and forth with another city fan, I believe, um, but a Chelsea fan replied with the Romelu, the Romelu Lukaku offside decision from the League Cup final. Obviously a very tight decision, but again, lines were drawn. It was determined that he was offside. Do I think that this is like, you know, offside personally or whatever, or say like, is this something that should have counted? Like, I don't know. I just know that by the letter of the law, this is offside. So Mari, rather than going for her normal genre, stepped it up a notch and went with the most amazing reply to this that I've ever seen, which was this. She said, so it's hard to see because the resolution is poor, but if you zoom right on in to the small space between the lines that signals Lukaku is goal side, you can see the absolute stranglehold my football club has on your bollocks. 
<laughs> and it's so good. It's so good. Much in the same way. Actually, our two heroes have a similar a similar thing that's really catapulted them here, which is leading off with a certain tone in the tweet and then just completely flipping it. Um, and Mari, Mari, the MVP this week for, uh, for just absolutely destroying, um, this, in this particular Chelsea fan, uh, who, who wandered into her mentions. Shame, shame on them, but maybe that's the secret for anybody listening, you know, to become a hero on the two red gringos, take the, you know, not gonna lie, they had me going there in the first half approach, yeah. and then you know, hit us with something we don't expect because we've seen it all. <laughs> we've seen it all on Twitter. Truly, but it, she she's almost now carrying the the torch of what? It, who's the New Mexico guy? Like El Mansfield? Um, yeah, yep, Alex and and Babu, who just are relentless in their pursuit of truth on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and Mark kind of taking up the torch lately. So it's good to see not just, you know, well, yeah, I like kind of the sarcastic by the books, but then the the additional, you know, kind of kind of punch she throws in there at the end is just hero quality. Amazing. Well, I think I think that about does it. Are we uh are we missing anything? Anything we didn't uh you know what super agent, you know, real like oh. dying apparently and coming back from that. We didn't even get to talk about that, right? No, because things didn't. are going so well for the club. Jurgen's put pen to paper. People are apparently dying on Twitter. And then 30, literally 30 minutes later, coming on and tweeting, like, you know, uh, it's like in Return of the King, where, you know, Pippin's yelling, he's not dead. And, you know, fair, <laughs> or not fair, whoever's pouring oil all over the body like that was incredible. <laughs> so, so, so football twitter so football twitter was denethor pouring oil over the body of mino raiola but Lord mino raiola was also was also pippin he was faramir and pippin cuz he, he was, was faramir and pippin at the he, same time he, yeah. <laughs> we were Football Twitter was trying to declare him dead, but he was declaring himself alive. Yeah. <laughs> Rolling himself out of the flames, apparently. I, that's what I pictured him probably, you know, with his chest opened up or tube in his mouth or something oh sitting there tweeting like, you know, but I, I thought I, I, I'd have to check. I'll give him credit. Uh, I almost said posting this, but that, you know, would be offensive to me now. Uh <laughs> credit for the you know he's just staying alive so 25 I, million in <laughs> i had uh <laughs> i had what i thought was was a high quality tweet but it didn't it didn't get the the interaction that i was hoping for but um you have you seen the new star wars like the most recent three or whatever yeah yeah of course okay so like the the last one uh, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> like, I feel like I already know where you're the going. The text scroll the tweet, at the beginning. But... So I quote tweeted Mino's tweet with that, where it says, the dead speak, like a strange communication <laughs> went across the galaxy or whatever, or a strange transmission goes across the galaxy. And I thought that was going to do numbers, and I, I was unfortunately mistaken. So you went the wrong way. You should have taken uh, 
whenever when when they say like somehow Palpatine has returned, yeah, like somehow Mina has returned. has returned. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like the dead speak. That's it. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> So that happened today. Yeah. So me, me you know, I mean, I was having this moment where I was Thoughts like, man, prayers? yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm not like, I don't hope he dies. I, I was just like going through this whole thing where I was like, man, what kind of structure is set up in his company? Because like, what happens to his clients if he dies? Like, that's where I'm like, does he have a contingency for this? Like, do they just become free agents? Like, what happens? I'm sure it's, you know, the football world, where they were looking at it like it was a field day, right? Because yeah. he's gouging, gouging clubs for ridiculous figures. So, I don't know. There's a... <laughs> when... I don't want to say there was a level of joy involved <laughs> with the untimely passing and then not passing yeah. of a super agent, but... It's not a beloved position yeah. that he's in. When, when I don't we, know the guy. Whenever we happen into, you know, uh, a fortune, I think really what, what this is what this is sparking for me, at least, is that we need to make the football version of Entourage. Can you imagine the episode where like the super agent dies and the, you know, our, our version of Ari gold is chasing down every single free agent client. Like, and then he finds out that he's actually not dead and he has to like, he has to kind of like go back with his tail between his legs to these guys and say like, Oh, well I wasn't. Hey, if perfect crossover for, I mentioned that, I don't know how, Paramount still exists. I don't. I don't know what it is. What they've ever done. Uh, apparently, they're showing the Champions League now. But no, I mean, yeah, maybe it's HBO. Maybe it's Paramount. I think they've got some sort of sharing agreement. I think we could do an entourage, you know, football Twitter crossover. <laughs> well, now, now I do think we probably have covered everything. Then, if we if we're talking about our uh, our spin off, our entourage spin off show. Well, one one final thing that I'll say, because shame on us for not saying it. How much do we love a Hendo Cross? <sighs> love a Hendo Cross, especially especially when VRL like ma- forces it into their own net. Deflect that Hendo Cross. So a Hendo Cross directly resulted in a goal, not as an assist, but a, in yeah. a goal itself. So that's almost that's almost I would say on the level of like rarity or or maybe novelty is is almost like scoring directly from a corner. Yeah. Like that's it's the same thing. Same idea. Yeah. So in a 2 0 win. 2-0 win with a Hendo cross as a goal. Hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna just call that the Pats daily. <laughs> like there is no if only the second would have been a scraps. True. Know. True. The first, the the second was almost too clean. Quadruple confirmed that the second goal was a scrap. <laughs> oh well, that... actually, no need for the quadruple. You know, I've got everything I've ever you... wanted. <laughs> I, you're happy with that, <laughs> I guess. No, I, I, uh... God, even it's it's funny how talk of the quadruple has gone from being like 
has gone from being funny to being like, holy shit, like this might actually happen. And I'm trying desperately to remind myself that like, hey, that's not how shit works. Like life isn't like this. (laughs) You don't get to win everything. Like that's just not how it is. So hopefully I've, you know, there's a, most of my brain has maintained some logical approach and not uh, just diving into complete, you know, dependence on the quadruple for my, for my happiness. <laughs> I, I didn't even want to talk about it, but you know, I'm three fourths of a bottle of Shandone in and you know, the yeah. quadruple comes out, but <laughs> maybe it's just a leak up, you know, maybe it's the 20th premier league to match that. There, the absurdity of this year is unprecedented, right? Like Truly. the potential, not just the potential of what, you know, a, a seventh champions league or a 20th premier league, but the fact that it, in the battle against city, which we talked about, <laughs> but it's also <laughs> happening simultaneously is Everton sitting in the relegation zone <laughs> with only a few matches to play. Like there's no, it's not even a feeling right now because you can't acknowledge it Yeah. because the second you do it, you know, disappears, but I, I'm not even going to say anything. I'd have to finish the bottle of Shandong to say what I want to say. <laughs> yeah. We, I guess we didn't touch on the fact that Everton are in the relegation zone. And here's, here's my, here's my thought there. Like, Everton being in the relegation zone, obviously for us American fans too, is like extremely good banter and just like it it's it's great. Like if they go down, that will be hysterical. But this year, I was convinced we were in we were in such a good place as a league. We had all agreed that Burnley needed to go down. Burnley was there was no need for Burnley in the Premier League anymore. And Everton of all teams are going to fuck this up for us and allow Burnley to survive by getting relegated themselves. Like they can't even get that right. Like that's how, that's how much of a, just whatever fuck up club Everton is, is they can't even, they can't even just allow us to get rid of Burnley. It's a new Burnley though, right? The, the new, I would say there's, there's some good early signs from from this Burnley that maybe the reign of terror is truly over, and maybe it was just Dyche the whole time. Which, as much as we hate him, like he received a lot of love on his way out. Truly, yeah. Not yeah. Sh- not not sure I really wanted to see any of that, but <laughs> you know, he 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 did he went above and beyond with that squad. I'll give him that. For sure. So uh, one last question for you. I said one last thing and then, you know, we continue. But one last question for you. Let's say Everton go down. Yeah. And, you know, the rats are fleeing the ship. Is there anybody in that Everton squad that you would take on Liverpool? I mean, if I'm being, if I'm being totally honest, like... I, no, I don't think. So. I, no. I don't. I don't think so. I think 
the only player who maybe gets in the conversation and and it is I mean that is even a stretch would be if Dominic Dominic Calvert-Lewin were like playing at the level that he had been and even then it's only in like a bit sort of role like it would be if Div is gone then Calvert-Lewin can be our like guy that we toss on to try to get his head on something like late in the game but yeah the rest of these guys I don't know Richarlison absolutely fucking not uh no. Damari Gray is just super inconsistent Awobi is Awobi Allen is oh, not getting worst. anywhere near our midfield the worst Decore is like I don't think Decore is as bad as the rest of the squad but he I don't think he gets into our midfield either and then the back four is is yeah I mean they're nowhere near it I would take Gary man I like a big tall center back oh okay okay I, yeah I'd buy, I, I mean I'll I'd take buy that. Mina that's the only one that's the only one is he I can't tell I can't tell from the flag is he Colombian or Venezuelan Colombian Colombian I made the mistake of we were out at uh, Xochimilco on the Trajinetas so Dan Staley comes up with the idea to pick a flag because all the Trajinetas have like different country flags on them two of them so you pick a flag. Anytime you see that flag, you have to drink. Okay. Um, so we got mezcal, tequila, beer floating around the little trajinetta. And I say, oh, I'll pick uh, Venezuela, right? But Venezuela has the little you know, stars, which maybe they don't have that level of quality in their flag painting. Includes, oh, I'll take Colombia too. 20 minutes in. I'm wrecked from Mezcal and Tequila because there are so many both Venezuelan and Colombian flags flying around that I'm drinking every other minute. So, but still, <laughs> I'll take Gary Nina. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I I think I think he'd struggle. Although you know, maybe Joel is is moving. He's getting up there a little bit, so maybe eventually. But I don't know. Ibu is. He's looking strong, looking real strong, looking like he's exactly what what they were looking for. Um, and yeah, him and uh, him and Matip are keeping an extremely competent Joe Gomez nowhere near the center back position, which is crazy. <laughs> so, Poor yeah. Well, I think I think that actually does it. I think we actually covered everything. Or most That's of it. it, actually. Yeah, maybe yeah, not actually everything. will not be in episode three because <laughs> we've already we've <laughs> That's already actually, talked about yeah. it. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll. Uh, I guess we'll probably. I mean, depending on how things are going um, in May, we'll probably be back a little bit sooner, um, based on obviously Champions League final or. Um, anything like that that's going on. So we might be back a little bit sooner to recap any massive developments, but um, we have been the two red gringos. Uh, and if uh, you're looking for the podcast, it's on all the big platforms, basically anywhere you get your podcast, so you can find us and you can find us on Twitter at two red gringos. And then you can find uh, 
each of us uh, on our our personal accounts. Pat, you're over on uh, at Mexico City LSC, and uh, and I'm at Hello, Ultra, <laughs> and I'm at Phil Talks Footy, and uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, gosh, huge time for the Reds, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be back soon to be talking more about them, but um, until then, adios. Adios. And in the words of at Grabber Gower, smash that like button. <laughs> Parentheses. We're Liverpool. We support Liverpool, yeah. <laughs>